We are now in week number three in a series on the Holy Spirit. And today, what I wanted to do was something a little different. Uh, Today, I wanted to give you the long view of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it would be uh, similar to me sharing with you my story, and I might start with my parents' meeting in Chicago, you know? The long view of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start from creation to Christ, and then we're going to go from Pentecost until now. So really, it's your entire Bible and then some. Now, I, I'm telling you the, uh, the, the long story. Really, I'm going through the entire Bible in about 30 minutes. But let me tell you why we're doing this. I know you're really excited. Let me tell you why we're doing this. Right now, we're in a very special age. You can call it the age of the Holy Spirit. This age that we're in now is different from the previous one. And what I want to do is explain to you the difference, and I'm hoping that by explaining to you the difference, you're going to see with greater clarity what's available in this age. It's kind of like, do you know what time it is right now? Do you know what you got? This right now is the age that was prophesied about by, by prophets of old. And after prophecies were made about this age, people waited hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and now we're in this age. So I'm, I'm hoping that by explaining the long view of the Spirit, you're going to value this time more and you're going to know more what you got. It's a very special age. Do you know why it's special? Why well, I kind of want to explain that to you. Uh, let me put it to you like this. Let me put it to you in a different way. There was a moment when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he's about to leave. And he says to them, and, and you can understand they're, they're sad to hear that their Lord and Master is leaving. And he says, well, listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because unless I go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. Now, I just want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to imagine what in the world could possibly be better than having Jesus right here and right now. Like, let me illustrate this for you. There, there was a time when there was a member in our church who had a baby that passed away. And I was, I was at the funeral and she was just in tears. She was, she was weeping and she was wailing and I'm sitting there in the pew. And what I was thinking about during that moment is I was just fantasizing about what it would be like if Jesus were here right now. That kept on going through my mind. What, I, I, I mean, can I imagine? And then I, I would imagine, I just kept on imagining Jesus coming up to the woman and saying, don't cry. And then going to the remains of the child. And then just in, a, in an instant, all that despair would turn into glorious delight. So, I mean, what could possibly be better than having Jesus here right now? And in effect, Jesus is saying, I know what's even better than having me here right now in the flesh. It's the Holy Spirit coming. It's being in this age of the Spirit. Now, I just want to ask you, do you believe it's actually better? Or let me put it a different way. 
Do you know what we have? Do you know what time it is? Do you know what you got? So I, I want you to get ready for today. We're going to go through a lot of different Bible passages. If you want to follow on, along, like, you know, good luck. Um, I'm kidding. If you want to follow along, please open your Bibles, follow along. It's going to be more scripture than usual. Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to lean in. During this the next, like, 26 minutes, I want to invite you to, to lean in and, in a sense, give me all you got this morning, okay? You all ready? Okay. Periodically, I'll check in and just say, are you with me? And that's, that's your moment to just say you are or you're not or you're lost or the Lord helped me. If you are lost, just remember, I'm telling you the long story of the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh, he's telling me another part, a highlighted version of the story of the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's your key, okay? You all with me? Okay, let's go. Starting in creation, now, I'm just going to tell you my point right up front. In the beginning, the Holy Spirit was there. That's really my point. But let me take you through the verse anyway. In the beginning, these are the opening words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2b. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's my point. Page 1. The Holy Spirit is right there. He's an active player from the start. Now, if you take your Bibles and you go to page one, okay, now watch what we're about to do. Then you go to about page 1,000, okay? Uh, about 1,000, depending on what sort of Bible you have. It's about 75% of the Bible. That is the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is operating in an age of visitation, let me hear you guys say age of visitation. Okay, now let me explain that. He would anoint certain people in certain times and certain places, and then he would kind of pull back into the background. He would anoint certain people, certain times, certain places, and then he would kind of pull back into the background. Now, I just want you to imagine for thousands of years, the Holy Spirit would come, anoint certain people, and then he would go. Another generation. He would come, anoint certain people, and then he would go. Now, I just want you to imagine that, that the people who were anointed by the Spirit just saying, Oh gosh, I wish you would stay. I wish you could be with us and in us and moving through us and Directly, indirectly, like all the time. Now, imagine the other people who were never even anointed at all. Just going, you guys are lucky. I mean, at least you had a chance to be directly anointed by the Spirit, but we haven't even experienced Him directly at all. Now, um, throughout the Old Testament, during this period, you have prophets. And what do prophets do? They prophesy. And so you have at least a couple of really poignant, promising, brimming with, with excitement kind of prophecies that talk about an age to come where the Holy Spirit is going to be active on a whole new level. Now, I, I shared one with you two weeks ago. It was Ezekiel 36. So, you, you know, that was two weeks ago. Uh, today, I'm going to share with you one from Joel. 
So turn with me to Joel 2. We're going to start in verse 28. We're going to go really quickly. And it shall come to pass afterward that I, God, I will pour my spirit on, what's the next word? All flesh. All flesh. Now I just want you to imagine what this prophecy meant to someone who was never filled with the spirit directly at all. And they're going, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. King David gets it. King David, he's special. Clearly, he gets filled. And then you're hearing the scripture, all peoples. Wow, all people. Young and old, male and female, and even servants too. Now notice what they're going to be doing. Your sons... And your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. A lot of supernatural activity, right? You got prophecy, you got dreams, you got visions, and it's given to all people. Not just the special people, not just the King Davids, not just the pastors, not just Pastor Calvin. All of God's people. All people. All right, let me just check in. Is everyone with me? Okay, everyone's with me. Great. Okay, so uh, you got creation, Holy Spirit's there. You got the Old Testament, it's an age of visitation of the Holy Spirit. And you got prophecies of an age to come where the Spirit is going to be working on a whole new level. Okay, now uh, we're going to go and take a dramatic turn from the Old Testament to the New. Now, if you look in your Bible, it's about the 75, you know, percent mark. It's really the difference of one page. But just realize that when you flip that one page from Old to New, it's 400 years that just went by. Just flip and 400 years, okay? Now, um, uh, you remember in the beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit was there. And now in the opening pages, like in Luke chapter 1, in the formation of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is 100% God, 100% human being. I just want to point this out really quickly. In the formation of Jesus the Christ, the Holy Spirit was the active player. Don't know if you knew that, but isn't that cool? Now let's move on. John the Baptist comes. You all know John the Baptist, and he he announces to everyone that the Messiah is about to come. But look at this. Look at this verse. I baptize you with water, John says, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, but John is saying something like, you know those prophecies about a new age of the Spirit? Let me tell you something. The Messiah that I've been talking about? He is going to bring in that new age, and he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That is really cool. That is really cool. Okay, quick review. So when the body of Christ was formed, the Holy Spirit was an active player. When John comes, he predicts that Jesus the Messiah is going to bring the age of the Spirit. Now let's take a very quick look at what Jesus himself said about the Holy Spirit. Now, There's so many passages I can choose from. I'm just going to choose one, and I'm just going to go really quick. But what's incredible to me about this one verse coming from John chapter 8 is here is a picture of Jesus who just seems to be brimming, exploding 
with excitement about the coming of the Spirit. I mean, he's the one that's going to baptize. And, and it's, so it's, it's no surprise that he's really excited. Now, I'll describe to you what Jesus uses to describe what it's like to be filled with the Spirit. Here it is. This is verse 38. Jesus says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, the more I I look at that verse, I don't think it's an illustration to be analyzed. I think it's a visual symbol to be enjoyed and experienced. So here is Jesus saying, this is what life in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, is like. It's like your heart bursting and flowing with rivers of living water. And I just want to pause and say, for those of you who are believers, have you ever experienced that? And if those of you are like, no, not really, and then my next question is, would you like to? And then I think some of them, well, how do I? And then I just want to say, like, towards the end of the message, I'm going to give you some steps. But really, that's what this whole series is about. We're going to kind of unpack more practically as the series goes on how you can experience and step into more and more of the Spirit. So, you know, we want to wait for that and enjoy the series. But right now, we're telling the long story of the Scripture. I mean, the Spirit. And uh, so let's keep on going. John 16, you all with me? Okay, this is the farewell discourse. Uh, Jesus is basically giving his last teaching to his disciples. He's saying goodbye to them. He's preparing them for what's, what's next. And this is what he says. Now, I, I talked about this in the beginning of the message. Here it is. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now let's do this. I, I think in the beginning of the message, I, I, I asked you, like, um, what could possibly be better than having Jesus here right now? And I'll tell you, there's a lot of kind of uh, debate and conversation about what Jesus means by this. But let me just defer to you guys for a moment. And can I just ask you to break up into pairs? We really only have time for one person to share, but I I want you to give the person next to you your best explanation as to how this age of the Spirit could possibly be better than having Jesus here right now. Okay, turn to someone next to you and give them your best shot at explaining. Let's go. Okay, let me, just, uh, let me just check in. How many, of you, how many of you said something like, something like, well, we, we are going to like, inherit the same 
power and functionality of Christ, and how cool is that? How many of you guys said something like that? Great, no one. Okay. How many of you said something like, I don't know? How about that? Okay, some, some. How many of you said something about quantity? Like, there's just a lot more of us. Okay, I'm really dying to know what the rest of you guys thought. Um, But how's this? We don't have much time, so tell me later, because I would love to hear your thought. But here is my best thought. I would actually agree with the quantity. Let Let me do this. Let me explain. If Jesus were here right now, what do you think would happen? You guys would say, Andrew, please get off the stage and give Jesus the mic. Amen. Yes. Okay, some of you are very loudly saying yes. Thank you for that. And I tell you what, I would be the first one to run to Jesus, give him the mic, sit down and say, Lord Jesus, take over. Okay. But he's not here in the flesh right now. I'm sorry you have me. But, but here's, my, here's my point. Here's my point. Now, let's say Jesus were here, I give him the mic, Jesus comes up here, Jesus doesn't need a mic, actually, and what do you think would happen? I bet you tears would flow, hearts would burst open, there would be a revival here, it would, people would be healed, there would be like you know, amazing prophecy, can I get an amen? Okay, but here's the but, 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 here's the thing, if Jesus were localized right here in the flesh, that means he would not be in Africa or in Asia or in Mexico or in Canada. Because who wants to be in Canada? Amen. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so that, that makes sense, right? If he's here in the flesh, it means he can't be in the flesh in Asia or Africa, right? That makes sense. Okay. So, but if Jesus goes to heaven... And that means that the spirit and the power of Jesus is going to live inside all of us, remember all, all of us, through the Holy Spirit, and we get the presence of Jesus to move in the power of Jesus through the Spirit all at the same time in Africa, in Asia, in America, in Mexico. Didn't say anything about Canada. God God's people stepping up. God's people having the very nature and power of God flowing inside them. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's better? What does that mean for us right now? Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies to pay for the penalty of our sins. Three days later, he rises from the grave and he shows himself to his disciples. He then ascends back into heaven, but before he goes, he tells his disciples, you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit. The disciples gather together. What do they do? They wait for the Holy Spirit. They pray. They worship. They wait for 10 days. But then the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it's the first day of a whole new age, the age of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he fills everyone in that room. I think it's about 120 people. Everyone is filled, experiencing what must be like rivers of living water flowing through their hearts. 
And then they start, and they're divinely enabled to have this language, and they start to praise God in different languages. And then a huge crowd gathers because they're, they're in the temple courtyard, and they've never seen anything like this, all these people divinely enabled to speak different languages. And then so in this cacophony of like worship praises, Peter gets up, and he preaches about Jesus Christ on the cross and what that means and all these people respond, boom, the early church is born. By the way, when Peter gets up to preach, for the first part, he goes, hey, you all remember, and Joel talks about God pouring out his spirit on all people and all this supernatural phenomenon. He's like, yeah, 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 that's happening right now. It's the fulfillment of prophecy. All the stuff that happened to the early church is recorded in the book of Acts. Now, you remember in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would come for a little while, certain people, and then he would go, right? He would kind of pull back into the background. What you see in the book of Acts is that he comes. He comes in a big way on this day. Here's the thing. He stays. Throughout the book of Acts, he stays. He's working indirectly, directly, but he's always there. Same is true today. When the Holy Spirit comes inside you, he comes to stay. Remember back in the Old Testament, they had the law. Here's the law. Do your best to fulfill the law. God says, well, there's coming a day. I'm going to write my law right in your hearts by giving you my spirit. Well, he gave his spirit to the disciples. Now, if you read the book of Acts... You read the Gospels, you read the book of Acts, you read the God. Same men. No, wait a second, they're different men. Whoa, 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 they're really different. Same names, same characters, whole different people, right? I mean, you, you read in the book of Acts, and they're like beaten and thrown in jail. What are they doing? They're like singing songs of praise and worship. And jo- Who are these guys? These are not the same guys. In the Gospels, you read about the disciples, and they're like cowardly. And they're clueless. Now in Acts, they're like these bold, wise, courageous. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were changed. They were not the same. Wow. That's the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. One more thing. If you look in the book of Acts, this is undeniable. What you see are a lot of miracles. There's a lot of miracles. You see signs and wonders, healings, demons, being cast out, dreams, prophecies, speaking in tongues, God speaking to his people in dynamic ways. Do you guys believe that the Holy Spirit still does this today? Uh, I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet my mother-in-law. She's an amazing woman. She became a Christian later in life, uh, around age 40, and um, her conversion, like her coming in Christ, she was so just sincere. Like she would come home and she would read her Bible every day, and she just loved the Lord and just loved his word, and she would just, I mean, and then she went to a very conservative church, but she would just love God and love his word And then some stuff just started happening. 
like supernatural stuff just started happening. And my mom was, was telling me that, so this is just one example. Um, there, was, there was a woman in her Bible study group that was going into labor. So my mom went to bed at like midnight. And then at 3 a.m., she felt like God woke her up and asked her to pray. Pray for the woman. So from 3 to like 5.30, she's praying. She's like travailing in prayer, right? It's just like she's praying. It's like really heavy, and she's interacting with the Spirit. And then around 7 a.m., she feels this great release. 9 a.m., the woman calls her and says, uh, my baby is born. We're so happy. I'm healthy. The baby... And the baby was born around 7 a.m. And then she says to my mom, around 3 to 5, there were some complications, and I felt like we were going to lose the baby. Mom's like, oh, what What just happened? There was another woman in her prayer uh, study group. It was the same thing. My mom wasn't looking for it. My mom just loves God and, and memorizes Scripture. And the Holy Spirit fills her and supernatural stuff just started to happen. You guys ever heard the story of John Wimber? John Wimber used to be a self-described hippie musician. And then he became a Christian. And he, he thought, well, you know, now that I'm a, a Christian, I, I should do what good Christians do. And I should read the Bible. And then he was thinking, now that I'm a Christian, I should do what good Christians do, and I should go to church. So he would read his Bible, and he would read through the, the Gospels, and you know, what Jesus would do, and the, the Apostles, and then he would go to church. And then he would go home and read his Bible, and then he would go to church. And he started to notice a difference between what he was reading in the Bible and what he was noticing in church. So one day... He just decided that he was going, and so he went up to the pastor, and he said, Pastor, I've, I've become a Christian recently, and I was wondering, when do we get to do the stuff? And the, the pastor was like, well, what are you talking about? And John Wimber's like, you know, when do we get to do the stuff, the stuff, the stuff that I've been reading about in the Bible, like healing people and casting out demons and prophesying, like, when do we start to do the stuff? When do you do the stuff? And the pastor's like, oh, we don't do this stuff anymore. And John Wimber is like thinking, you mean I gave up drugs for this? That's, that's, that, that's his story. But John Wimber wasn't convinced because he was reading the Bible and the Bible reads like we should be doing the stuff. And so sometime later he started a church and the gospel was preached and Jesus was glorified. And they started to pray for sick people, and they started to do the stuff, and the sick people were healed, and the church grew rapidly, and the presence and power of God was moving in amazing ways, and churches were planted, and a movement was born. Today, there are over 2,400 vineyard churches around the world, and one of the core beliefs is that the Holy Spirit is just as active today as he was in the life of Jesus and the early church. He believed it, and he started doing the stuff. I'm just wondering, do you believe it? Because if you don't, you're probably not going to have that expectation. 
And if you don't have that expectation, you're probably not going to have the faith that it requires to do this stuff. So do you believe that the Holy Spirit is active? Do you believe this is the age of the Spirit? I do. I'll tell you, I do. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to have the same intensity in sign and wonders as Jesus Christ because he is the unique son of God, okay? And I'm not saying we're going to have the same intensity as the early church because they needed to get the church started. But I'm just saying that in your workplace and in your school and in this Bay Area culture, the, the soil of people's hearts is really hard. Seems to me like the thing we need most of all is God's power. And that's what the Holy Spirit provides. So, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, I have four steps for you to consider. Here they are. Four steps for you to consider. Number one, learn. Number two, ask. Number three, listen. And number four, take risks. Learn, ask, listen, take risks. Okay, number one. Will you during this Holy Spirit series commit to come and learn more as much as you can about the Holy Spirit? I think a lot of us don't live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because we don't know. We don't know exactly what he does. We're not really aware of how he moves. Is it the Holy Spirit or is it just me, you know? Um, And so during this time, we would invite you to learn as much as you can and increase in awareness of the Holy Spirit as much as you can. A friend of mine are going through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is all about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to go through this book with us on your own time during this series. So number one, learn. Commit to learning. Commit to learning all you can about the Spirit, what He does, how He moves, how He moves in you, listening to His voice, what it looks like to be prompted by his spirit. Number two, would you ask? Would you ask? Jesus teaches us to ask, seek, and knock. And then in Luke 11, Jesus says that ultimately what we are looking for and asking for is the Holy Spirit. So during this time, how about asking for the Holy Spirit? Just say, God, I want you to speak to me. God, I want you to guide me. God, would you help me to be more aware of your Holy Spirit? God, help me to cultivate the desires of the Holy Spirit inside me. Step number three, would you listen? Would you spend time listening to and being aware of the Holy Spirit that is inside you? And step number four, would you be willing to take risks? Would you be willing to take risks? If you listen and the Holy Spirit says something to you, Would you be willing to obey? Learn, ask, listen, and take risks. Learn, ask, listen, and take risks. I'm going to leave you with one last story, and then we're going to move towards having communion. This is a story that comes from our soon-to-be worship director commissioned on February 3rd, Caitlin. And... um, she, she, she wrote this story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. It just happened two weeks ago. So um, here it goes. Uh, Caitlin wrote this. Two weeks ago, Diana invited me to tag along 
and visit an old mentor of hers. And as the night went on, Kat Mee was just sharing about her life. Crazy stories about how God had worked and showed up in very specific ways, like her marriage and her family, her job. Her entire life seemed to be drenched with the Holy Spirit. I, I left, feeling unexpectedly sad. The whole night was filled with so much joy and infectious laughter, but I felt convicted and sad. I realized I was sad because I kept thinking, man, I want to be someone who hears from God. I want to be so close to the Lord that I have stories like that, moments where God showed up in miraculous ways. Why don't I? As I drove home from Fremont, I became determined to talk it out with God. And suddenly I felt convicted to just, you know, turn everything off and simply sit and listen to the Lord. Just to to wait expectantly for Him to speak to me. And He did. It wasn't in some crazy voice or anything even audible, but I heard it like I heard my own thoughts. And he said this, Caitlin, I love you so much. And I love you even despite the harsh words that I'm about to tell you. At this point, I took a deep breath and I braced myself for what God would say next. He said, you claim you want to be someone who hears my voice. But what have you done with the moments I have already given you? What have you done with the quiet times and the space that I've given you in this season, not much. Rather than being with me, you've complained about feeling alone. You've tried to fill the space with other things. You have not used what I've given you, so how can I give you more? Hearing all this, I didn't feel upset or shamed. I felt convicted because God was right, and I knew what I needed to change. You guys, we live in an age of the Holy Spirit. There is so much more for us to experience. Do you guys want more? Can you relate to Caitlin saying, I want to be so close to the Lord that he just shows up in miraculous ways. You want to be like my mother-in-law who just loved God and just loved his word and all this supernatural stuff just started happening. It just flowed out of life with God. Do you guys want more? Do you know that there is more for you? Do you believe it? Remember the uh, four steps I invited you. Learn. Well, you guys are here. You're learning. Ask. Listen. Take risks. Well, how about applying number two and three right here at the Lord's Supper? How about when we come up here and we celebrate the sacrifice of Christ, His body shed on the cross, His blood shed for us, all that to make the giving of the Holy Spirit possible? How about we come up here as we celebrate the death of Christ, the life of Christ? Why don't we do those two things? Let's ask for the Holy Spirit, number one. Actually, it's number two. And then number three, three take a moment to listen. Now, I want to invite you to come up to the, 
to, to um, form two lines. And when you're in line to be asking and to be listening, to be asking and to be listening. And when you take communion and go back into your seat, ask and listen. What do you think he might say to you if you just turn stuff off and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me?